story of uh, Peter healing the crippled man. Uh, it's a little dear to me uh, because this was uh, the story that uh, you know we as Sunday school kids, you know, uh, did it. Uh, so there was a crippled man, and there were two people who were playing Peter and John, uh, and you know we were doing that whole scene of them healing him, and uh, they all three going into the temple. Uh, something that kind of stuck with me was the the boy who was playing the role of the cripple uh, did it in such a way that Peter totally forgot his dialogues. Uh, you know, he was like, okay, I've never seen such a beggar. <laughs> but, uh, in, I mean, the teacher had to kind of, you know, remind him of his dialogues. Uh, and uh, and it, it's it's amazing that, you know, I got to speak on this topic today. Uh, so for a quick uh, recap. For a quick recap, uh, so we have read uh, last, uh, we have been studying from uh, Luke Acts, uh, and uh, we've seen how uh, the church was started, uh, and uh, how uh, the apostles were uh, preaching the gospel. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that word uh, repeating time and again, and we see how the gospel started uh, spreading. So for a quick uh, recap, we see uh, we see that uh, the apostles uh, or the disciples were waiting uh, for the Holy Spirit, and uh, as promised, the Holy Spirit uh, came onto them, and they started uh, preaching the gospel. And the first day when uh, Peter preached the gospel, around 3,000 uh, souls were added to the church. That's what uh, uh, Luke records uh, records to us in the scripture. And uh, those of who uh, believed, they were baptized, uh, you know, and uh, uh, they were they they were keeping. Uh, I mean, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. And uh, last week we saw. That as they were doing this, uh, and and they were going to the temple every every day for prayer, and we saw the the healing of the leper, uh, sorry, the crippled man, and we see that uh, uh, we we even we were even reminded in the morning uh, by brother that how uh, the Peter and John said, you know, we do not have silver or gold, all that we have is Jesus Christ, and in His name, uh, get up. And we see that the man was miraculously healed. If you read uh, Acts chapter 4, verse, uh, I think it's uh, in, in Acts chapter 4, it says that he was 40 years old. So for 40 years, he was crippled. Uh, he was born crippled. And we see that this man was fully healed and everyone is amazed. And we see that the people have come seeing that miracle. There is a large gathering there. And Peter, using this opportunity, is preaching the gospel. And last week we saw how he has exhorted uh, the Jewish community to, to put their trust in Jesus Christ and to repent and receive salvation. Now, as they were doing this, we see 
uh, that uh, the Sadducees or the and uh, the captains of the temple guard they come and they arrest them, right? As they were preaching the gospel, we see that they come and arrest them. And what do we observe in this passage? Firstly, we see Peter and John who are arrested for uh, teaching. And what are the uh, what are the uh, reasons for which they were arrested? It says uh, in verse uh, two, they were greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Right? Uh, Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers, they were the ones who were, had the power to teach. But here we see Peter and John, whom they are called as uneducated people, who do not know anything about the law, they are teaching in the temple. So that is one point for which they are annoyed. And they are annoyed because they are preaching in uh, in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. If you read uh, Acts chapter 13, you know, Sadducees are a bunch of folks who never believed uh, in resurrection or angels or uh, demons. So they thought there's no resurrection. And here is Peter and John coming and preaching resurrection in the name of Jesus. So they saw and they were greatly disturbed and we see that they were put in jail. Now it's it's uh, it's a little interesting to see the reaction of Peter and John. Remember when Jesus, when uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the same bunch of folks, uh, the soldiers who were sent by the high priest and all these Jewish leaders came to arrest Jesus, we saw Peter acting in a totally different way. Do you remember what, what, what did Peter do? You know, he took a sword and he went cut one of the soldier's uh, ears, right? And Jesus immediately healed that soldier's and, and he healed that soldier. And he ran away. He ran away from the scene. Not just him, all the uh, other apostles too ran away. Uh, they were scared of all the authorities. And in fact, he denied Jesus three times. But here we see him not really resisting, not taking away his sword and attacking them but rather submitting and going uh, with them, uh, getting arrested. And he's not really scared anymore, right? He uh, was uh, 13, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. He is not scared anymore to be associated with Jesus. He's not denying Jesus. He's rather publicly uh, and boldly proclaiming Jesus. What do we see? We see uh, the people and their reaction. Peter and John were preaching the gospel. As they were preaching the gospel, they, were, they get arrested. And here, Luke records to us in verse 4, But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. There was the people, uh, even though John and Peter, Peter and John were arrested, that did not deter the people from putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the number of the number of the church increased to five thousand. I, I truly don't know if if we include all the churches of all the brethren churches in Bangalore, the strength would come up to that number. Uh, but we see within few days, it's like five thousand. And here it says men. So maybe if you include women, it will be definitely more. 
So the uh, the arrest of Peter and John did not deter the people from trusting in Jesus and putting their faith in Jesus and res- receiving the salvation. We also see the Jewish leaders, right? What they, how did they react? You know, this it it say Luke says they were very disturbed. You know, they were questioning the authority. Hey, who gave you the authority? We are the ones who are supposed to teach. But who, are, who gave you the authority to teach in the temple? Uh, remember, these were the same bunch of folks who asked Jesus when he was teaching in the temple, who gave you the authority to teach? And Jesus put a trick question to them. By whose authority did John the Baptist speak? Right? And they had no answer to that. And this is the same question they are putting to his disciples now. Who gave you the authority or who, by whose power are you actually here or speaking? Uh, they have not, basically not changed much. Uh, they, they have arrested Jesus in the past and they have conducted an unfair trial and they are doing the same thing here. They, they have arrested the disciples of Jesus and they are doing the exact same thing. The only difference that I see that they did not show as much as haste as they did in Jesus' case. Remember, in Jesus, uh, in, when, it comes to, when it came to Jesus, they've conducted the trial right in the middle of the night. And here they just waited till maybe the next day. Maybe they didn't want their sleeps to be disturbed. Next, what, what else do we see in this passage? We see some of the prophecies fulfilled and some of the promises fulfilled. Luke chapter 21, verses 12 to 15. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand over you over to synagogue and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors and, on, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Now we see the Lord Jesus Christ, tell, before his death, told his disciples that on account of him, his disciples will be arrested. You know, they will be made to stand in front of the uh, leaders. They, will be, they have to undergo a trial. And that is exactly what we see happening here. Peter and John were arrested on, because they were preaching in the name of Jesus. We also see the similar verse in Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 to 20. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, you will be given what to say. For it is not you, it is not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And we see exactly the same thing. Luke records that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, he's, it, he says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, we see, a promised, uh, we see a promise that was fulfilled, that when they stand in front of the, uh, the people, the opponents of the gospel, because of preaching the gospel, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, it will be the Spirit of the, God the Father speaking through them. And... Now, what did the Spirit of God uh, spoke to the elders uh, through Peter here? 
the first thing that the peter says or peter peter testifies to the authorities is that uh he he says that the the question that they put to him was by whose power or uh, in what name have you done this right uh, is it a magic or you know who gave you the authority to do all this and he says very boldly that this crippled man was healed by jesus of nazareth whom you kill but god raised from the dead jesus is the source of the power who healed this man and jesus is clearly saying that you are the ones who crucified him but god vindicated him by raising him from the dead you know time and again we see peter repeating this uh, reminding uh, his readers about the divine design of jesus's rejection by israel's leaders but at the same time vindication by god in acts we saw that in acts chapter 2 verses 22 and 24 fellow israelites listen to this jesus of nazareth was a man accredited by god to you by miracles wonders and signs which god did among you through him as you yourselves know this man was handed over to you by god's deliberate plan and foreknowledge foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross but god raised him from the dead freeing him from agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him there was god's uh, deliberate plan at the same time there was it was the wicked men who uh, of israel and the and the gentiles who put jesus to death we see him repeating the same in uh, in acts chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 now fellow israelites i know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders but this is how god fulfilled what he has foretold through all the prophets saying that his messiah would suffer and here he is doing the same thing again he says this uh, that you, you crucified him and god raised him from the dead and he is using something from the old testament passage from the old testament he is the stone which was rejected by you the builders which has become the chief cornerstone uh he used it is, we find this verse in psalm 118 verse 22 you know psalm uh, 113 to 118 are uh, uh very important uh, psalms because they are called as songs of uh, halel if i don't know if i say, said it right and these are mostly sung during uh, you know festive occasions like passover so they would have been very familiar with these uh, songs so when G- when peter is using this this is the st- he is the stone which you rejected which was rejected by you the builders but which became the chief cornerstone they would have recognized it immediately you know it was a very very familiar passage uh where else did we see uh, this were this verse being used we saw that even in luke right peter uh, jo- uh, jesus when he preached uh, to the people the parable of tenants he used exactly the same thing when he said the son was killed by the tenants but then he says he uses the same word the stone which the builders rejected uh, became the chief cornerstone the god has made the stone which was rejected a key part of the building he has made jesus the cornerstone what is a cornerstone uh this is 
is more of a old old uh, uh, architectural thing i'm not sure how many of it is being used now but it's the largest the most solid and the most carefully constructed of a, uh, of stones that is used in the construction uh, it determines every measurement in the remaining construction everything was aligned to it you know they the builders may, uh, took a special care in choosing the stone because everything else had to be aligned and if this was imperfect you know the building would become when after the it was built it would be totally imperfect so this was carefully chosen right and here we see that the jewish leaders thought jesus is someone who is insignificant and they thought let's just kill him and get rid of him but peter is reminding to them that jesus is the one he is the cornerstone he is he is made as a cornerstone by god the father first peter what is the implication of uh, jesus as a cornerstone of our lives right he says that in verse 12 and there is salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved the implication of jesus as a cornerstone is that salvation is found in no one else other than jesus christ i want you uh, i want to share with you today why is jesus called as the cornerstone here uh we see this Uh, this concept of cornerstone not just here in the uh, in the bible but is used m- in multiple places it's used in ephesians it is used in romans it is used in peter uh and it is used in multiple other places even in the old testament uh, brother read it from isaiah right uh and jesus is uh th- there is a allusion to cornerstone in multiple places of the scripture and here we see uh that jesus is the chief cornerstone point number 1 the or the implications of jesus being the cornerstone jesus is the cornerstone of our faith we read that in uh, 1 peter chapter 2 verse 6 see and this is something that peter takes from isaiah see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious stone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame jesus is the cornerstone of our faith Jesus is the eternal son of God and who alone can provide us redemption. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him. and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross god has appointed jesus as the cornerstone but the jewish leaders have rejected him what was the reason for jewish leaders to reject jesus as a cornerstone peter uh, paul says in romans chapter 9 verse 30 and 33 because they pursued it not by faith but as if it were by works they stumbled over the stumbling stone the main reason why the jewish leaders rejected jesus as their uh as the messiah is because they thought they can do it all by themselves they got all it, they got it all wrong 
they thought that their works will earn them a right standing before a holy God. Right? They thought that by keeping the law, they will be able to earn their own salvation. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Time and again, the word of God reminds the futility in trusting in our own strength, the futility in trusting in our own holiness or righteousness. Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. Now, Matthew chapter 23 is the one where Jesus says so many uh, times, woe to you Pharisees, that he in fact says it seven times and he gives seven different reasons. One of the reasons we find in verse 25, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. These are the folks who focused very much on the externals, the external religiosity, the ritual keeping, totally ignoring the spiritual conditions of their heart. But time and again, we are reminded in the scripture that God is concerned about our hearts more than our outer appearance. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at our heart. When the Pharisees asked the Lord Jesus Christ, tell us which is the greatest commandment, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your souls, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. It's very important. The, the Lord is concerned about our heart. Uh, he looks at each and every one of our hearts and he examines it. But Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, we are reminded the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I myself cannot understand how sinful my heart is and so, you, so, so, so are you. You cannot understand how sinful your heart is. If that is our condition, if that is our condition, how can we ever stand before a holy God who looks at our hearts, who examines our heart. You know, we, people can trick others with their external religiosity, but no one can trick God. Right? God knows each and every thought of us. But there's only one person who is sinless and who can stand blameless before the holy God. And it is that, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, when he's talking about the suffering servant, he has to say this. Isaiah had to say this. He had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. When Jesus was baptized, this is, what, this is the voice that came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And finally, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 9. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. All by ourselves, we cannot have a right standing with God. As we were reminded, we are powerless, but it is only Jesus who is sinless 
and it is only Jesus' death on the cross that makes, uh, makes us holy. We have been justified by his blood and much more we shall be saved from God's wrath through him. Salvation has always been by faith and never by works, even in the Old Testament. And, and salvation, we know uh, on this side of the cross, it is based on the finished work of, on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ. It is never based on the works that we do, but it is always on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. All that one has to do is to be, to be saved, is to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' life, his death and resurrection is the basis on which we can stand before a holy God. It's not our works, but it's, it's, it is the, his life, his death and resurrection. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. This morning, I want to ask you a question, especially the children. I've, been, I've, I've, I've known you guys are the teens. I've known you guys ever since you were small kids, kids of, you know, when, since you were kids of my age. You've been coming to church day in and day out, hearing the word of God day in and day out. Uh, but have you examined your heart? Can you truly say uh, that you are, why, can you truly answer this question as to why do you come to church day, every Sunday after Sunday? Is it because you love God or is it because you think that by coming to church, you know, you're going to get saved? Uh, that was what the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of that time thought. And that's why they rejected Jesus. They thought that they don't need Jesus. They can do everything by themselves and they can stand holy in front of, a, uh, in front of God the Father. But we have been reminded from the scripture how futile it is to trust in our works. I want to ask you this question. Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Soon you are going to leave your houses and going into a world which is so deceitful. Right? If you have not trusted in Jesus as your Lord, you are truly standing, standing on a sinking sand, not the, the Jesus, the solid rock. There's a, if, you, if you read Luke chapter 20, verse 18, you know, we've been reminded there, it, it is uh, the chapter in which Jesus re, uh, talks about the parable of tenants. And he uses the same word, the, the, the stone the builders rejected uh, became the chief cornerstone. But there's something that he adds which we do not find in any other uh, gospels. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken in two pieces and anyone on whom it will be fallen will be crushed. You know, rejecting Jesus is rejecting the redemptive plan for salvation for one's life, you know. Jesus is uh, the, the preeminent one in God's redemptive plan. And if you reject Jesus, you are rejecting God, and there is no way you can earn salvation. It is, salvation is only through Jesus. Let us examine our hearts and see if we truly trust in Jesus, uh, or, or are we like those Pharisees who are clean on the outside, but not on the inside. Jesus is the cornerstone on which we are built to become God's spiritual household. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, 
you are like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter is comparing us to a dwelling place, a building, uh, and, and we see that in multiple passages of the scripture. And he's saying that each of us, each of us are being, is being built into a spiritual household in which God dwells. Now, how do we become God's spiritual household? We saw that the early church, uh, people, when they were added to the church, they were, debating, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread, and prayer. Uh, if you go back to Luke chapter 8, this is the, this is the parable uh, of the sowers. Can, let's look to Luke's chapter 8. Luke's chapter 8, verse 10. Here, Jesus says, uh, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest is, it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. The Jewish leaders, because they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they have condemned themselves, they have received the eternal uh, judgment. It is the apostles who will receive the revelation now. It is, it is to them to whom the mysteries of the kingdom is revealed. And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It is the apostles who have carried the work of faith after them. It is them to whom the revelation was given. And it is, and all the, uh, the New Testament that we see, it is written by them or their associates. Right? The word of God is what uh, the, the, the early church devoted themselves. The apostles' doctrine. And even in the camp, we were reminded how we are, uh, we, we are exhorted uh, to, to learn the sound doctrine. And the sound doctrine is what we find in the word of God. And First Timothy, as we read in First Timothy chapter 3, it says, the word of God is enough for us uh, to live a life of righteousness. It is, it is the word of God that helps us to, to become the spiritual household, uh, which is built on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. You know, without, without the word of God, it is impossible for us to build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a cornerstone of the church. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 and 2.23 Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. You know, church is a diverse and widespread community. Church is, does not belong to one ethnic group. It does not belong to a people of one language. It belongs to everyone. Right? It is 
it is a diverse group of uh, people. And it is amazing to see that in spite of all these diversities, in spite of all these differences that we have, we all dwell, into, dwell together in unity in the church. And Jesus is the reason for that. Jesus is the cornerstone of this church. This church has been atta attacked multiple times ever since. We see that this is the first persecution ever recorded. And after this, we see multiple times the apostles and all the people who followed Jesus were persecuted. And we see we are still being persecuted. But all throughout, the church stood the ground. The church flourished and sustained. It is because Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He says, the gates of Hades will not prevail over her because he's the one who is protecting her. He's the one who uh, takes care of her. And he's the one who supports her. The believers at Corinth were having conflicts because they were taking sides of their favorite preachers and teachers. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 to 15. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, we had to see Paul had to tell these folks, who is the one who saved? Is it Apollos? Is it uh, Paul? No, it is Jesus Christ. He had to remind them that it is Jesus Christ who, is sa who has saved them. It is not uh, the, uh, the apostles. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 to 15. For no one else can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, the work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it has burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Although in the original context, it's talking about uh, the, the teachers uh, and, and their work of uh, preaching, as an application, we can apply it to each one of our lives. We are called uh, as a body of believers to build each other up, to build each other up in our holy faith. Uh, if we lose the focus of, on Jesus and focus on uh, any, if we, think, if we focus on other things in our lives, there will be conflicts. There will be, uh, will be uh, disunity. But if, as long as Jesus is the cornerstone of CBF, we will be united. And uh, just as the church of uh, the believers at Corinth fell into the trap, and, they, and that led to disunity and conflict, because they totally forgot it is Jesus who is the cornerstone, we too are at that, um, we too are, uh, we too can uh, forget that Jesus is the cornerstone of this church. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus is the cornerstone and it is on him that we stand and we need to build each other up and into, so that we grow in faithfulness uh, together. We see that Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. He is the cornerstone on which we build our lives and he is the cornerstone uh, of the church. How do we apply these truths to our lives. As followers of Jesus, we will face persecution. You know, we, uh, time, we have seen people being persecuted in the first century and being persecuted again and again. And when we face persecution, we need not resist. Rather, we should commit to God and we can expect Him to help us. 
What is the stand that you have taken for the Lord for which you face ridicule? For which you uh, face any any sorts of maybe social alienation? Persecution might take any form in our lives. It may not always be physical, but it could be even uh, social. It could be mental. Uh, what is the stand that you have taken for the Lord Jesus Christ for which you are facing rejection? When you face such a rejection, all that you need to do is you need to commit yourself to God and He will help you to overcome that. Secondly, if our life is not built on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, we will face eternal judgment. Jesus is the one, He is the preeminent one in God's redemptive plan. If you reject Him, there is no other way of salvation. Jesus is the only way of salvation. If, if you reject Him, you will face, have to face eternal judgment. And Jesus is the reason for unity in the church. As long as our focus remains on Christ Jesus, we remain united. The moment we lose that, there will be conflicts. Uh, so the, I would leave with this, these three applications. And these are, the, yeah, these are the discussion questions which we can use in our uh, uh, cell group meetings uh, as we discuss about this topic. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us from your word, Father, that when we trust in you, Lord, Father God, uh, people have persecuted you and they, we, we too uh, will be persecuted because no slave is greater than the master. And since they have persecuted you, we too will be persecuted, O oh, Father, for the faith. Lord, help us not to be, sh uh, Lord, uh, Father God, to stay strong when we are persecuted when we are when we face rejection because we are your followers and help us O oh father to commit ourselves to you and to look to you for help father god help us O oh father to truly build our lives on you and not on other any other things O oh lord and help us O oh father to fix our eyes on jesus the cornerstone and not given O oh lord to father god our differences because father as long as we focus on Jesus, only then we stand united, O oh Father. Help us, O oh Lord, as we live our lives, to truly build our lives on Jesus, the solid rock, Father. Thank you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.